Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. It is the first Sunday in April and the last Sunday of March Madness. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights, coming to you from the Wiz Den in Las Vegas because for over two years now, uh, the pandemic has forced us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. And I say it every week, one day that will end, but that day is not today. We are coming to you again uh, live from the Wisden, and that brings me to who's joining me on the show, who does every week, and uh, that is our social media director and sports junkie, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Uh, yeah, that's right. The Wiz not only has his own studio, but he has his own theme music as well. And back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who, aside from producing a number of shows for Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company you turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 today to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of Nevada. On Tap, the Vegas Golden Knights have won their last four in a row, but as of today are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in nightcap. We'll fill you in all about that in a few minutes. The Las Vegas Aviators AAA franchise of the Oakland A's start their season this week with a six-game homestand. Jim Gemma, the Aviators Media Relations Director, will be joining the show to help us preview the season. Um, and uh, also, we're going to have some tickets to give away for the first firework game this Friday night, so stick around for your chance to win those tickets as well. And um, we didn't get a chance to talk about the NFL's moving QBs last week, so we'll fix that today. And Coach K is officially, finally retired. I like saying that. I'm sure Magnum and uh, both uh, Spence and Mags like hearing saying that also. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on today, and that's why it comes down to the Tar Heels and the Jayhawks for the 2022 College Basketball National Championship. Look forward to talking about that and everything else today. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, Funding America, one neighborhood at a time with integrity and uh, great customer service. Call 702-964-5720 for details on all your home financing options in the state of Nevada. Let's get right to it, guys. Let's go right to Nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Now a shot. Good save by Thompson in tight off Ryan Donato. 
Little spin around backhander. Peter DeBoer and his team improved their fortunes here with a win. Jack Eichel, a two goal game, and a 5 2 win over Seattle JT. How about Jack Eichel, man? Nine goals in 17 games. I mean, I tried to tell everyone, Mags has been telling people, um, this guy is for real, and we would see what a game changer he is and how valuable of a hockey player he is once he got going, which is something that he did. And uh, I want to bring Chris in to talk about this. The Knights now won four in a row. Um, Chris, last week you said you were a little bit worried that they would go to Seattle. They would possibly win Wednesday night, get overconfident. Seattle would be pissed off and they would win on Friday. I said, I disagreed with you. I thought they'd win both games and they needed to win both games. And they did win both games Wednesday, stellar performance by Logan Thompson and net again, gets a, gets a shutout. And then he holds down the fort um, Friday night. This guy has just been playing as good a hockey as anyone could have hoped for when you lose Brossois and, of course, the starting goaltender, Robin Leonard, both still out. And this kid, to me, has earned the second goaltender spot in the postseason, provided uh, Robin Leonard comes back and is able to play and is healthy. So, Chris, fresh off of your uh, your Japanese festival yesterday, I saw that you went to that. Pretty cool. And if you look on the screen, you can't see it. But Spencer's got a great picture of you up that the audience gets to see out there that's watching Facebook Live or YouTube. First of all, how was the festival? And second of all, obviously, respond to the talk on the Golden Knights. Yeah, well, the, the festival was was fantastic. Uh, for those who don't know, my, my wife is Japanese, born and raised in Japan, um, immigrated to this country. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we went to that. They actually have two. There, there's one in the fall and one in the spring. Yesterday was a spring festival. Uh, it was it was a good time. You know, my wife got to see. She's made some friends uh, here who are uh, from Japan. So always great when she gets to see her friends. And uh, yeah, as far as the Golden Knights, uh, look, I mean, unfortunately, for as well as they've played the last week, they're basically still in the same exact spot that they were a week ago with well, less they were games in the playoffs a week ago, Chris, one game, one. Point, well, yeah, one yeah. Dallas but percentage State. points, Dallas, Dallas was ahead of them. So um, Dallas always had those games in hand. So at this point, it's not surprising that the, that the stars have, have surpassed them in terms of total points. They've actually made up a game that they had in hand on the golden Knights. The problem is the golden Knights may run out of real estate. They may run out of runway uh, because there's only 12 games remaining in the season. Uh, yeah, it's great. You've won four in a row, two on the road against a bad cracking team. Today, you go up to uh, one of my favorite cities in North America, Vancouver, where you, you take it on a team that basically is playing for their lives. A loss by the Canucks, and they are pretty much done. A loss by the Golden Knights is, is a disaster as well. So you have two teams that are essentially playing. I don't want to call it an elimination game. Obviously, anything can happen. But the biggest problem the Golden Knights are facing right now is the L.A. Kings go up to Alberta after getting blasted at home by these same Kraken on Monday night. They go up to Alberta and they win uh, a game against the Edmonton or against Calgary Flames and they go to overtime against the Oilers. So they get three out of four possible points on that road trip. Edmonton, they blow big leads not only against the L.A. Kings to allow that game to go into overtime, but they blew a big lead on Friday as well, and they ended up winning in overtime. So these are worst-case scenarios for the Golden Knights, not only because these teams are winning, but because they get to overtime, and in the case of the Kings, they got a loser point 
despite their comeback against the Oilers the other night. So it was the worst possible thing that could have happened for the Golden Knights was the Edmonton Oilers to blow a lead against the Kings, and then the game goes into overtime, and then Edmonton ends up winning it. You would have preferred the Kings to win that game, I think, because Edmonton's a little closer in the standings. You have a game remaining against them. So if you make up that one point on Edmonton and then you go to Edmonton and beat them, you control your own destiny. Unfortunately, that's not what happens. So um, as you mentioned, the, the the Oilers with a three-point advantage on the Golden Knights, I believe they also have a game in hand on the Golden Knights. They might be even now, but... Uh, Look, I, I mean, the Golden Knights are basically in a situation where they're going to need to maybe not run the table, but they're going to need to win like 10 of these next 12 games and hope that somewhere along the line, the L.A. Kings, the Nashville Predators, or the Edmonton Oilers slip up because teams going to over... I mean, the other night, perfect example, Edmonton was up 4-1 to one on, the, on the St. Louis Blues, another team the Golden Knights are chasing. Edmonton blows a three-goal lead in that game. And the St. Louis Blues end up losing in overtime. So so things that cannot happen for the Golden Knights have been happening. You know, there's one thing about controlling your own destiny, and the Golden Knights don't do that. They're relying on help from a lot of other teams. And those other teams, not only are they not helping the Golden Knights, they're actually hurting the Golden Knights when they blow leads to other teams that are in the playoff hunt. Uh, look, I, I mean, my, my, like I said, and I'll emphasize it, this team, they may play... 800 hockey down the stretch and they still may not get to the playoffs just because they may run out of time. They may run out of runway. And, you know, I just want to put it out there and I may have said it last week, but this idea that the Golden Knights are purposely keeping their best players on the injured list to save up money for the salary cap is ridiculous. This team needs Mark Stone. This team needs Riley Smith. They got a boost earlier in the week when Braden McNabb came back, but they need their best players. Max Pacioretty, they need him. The reality is the, the players that they have had step into those roles. I I mean, if getting to Donoff, is, he had a phenomenal march. He had a, I believe he had an assist on Friday night on one of the Eichel goals. Um, look, Jack Eichel, that's why you go out and trade for him. That game against the, the Kraken on Friday night, you go out and you get Jack Eichel just because he totally took control of that game. Um you know, I mean, even some of the younger guys, Jonas Rombierg, he, he's had a quiet season, but he's played really well for a guy who maybe two years ago we never would have thought would be with the big club. Um, and, and finally, with Logan Thompson, look, I think I think what we have learned is Logan Thompson is an NHL goalie, and his story is absolutely remarkable. Played Canadian college hockey, and, uh, you know, he was actually cut from the Brandon Wheat Kings, which is a team that was owned, a junior hockey team owned by Kelly McCrimmon, who, of course, is a general manager of the Golden Knights. He goes a long route to the NHL, plays college hockey, played in the ECHL just two years ago. But not a lot of guys go from college hockey in Canada to the NHL. It's not like playing at Michigan. It's not like playing at North Dakota. It's not like playing at UMass or Boston U, one of the, one of the big schools in the Northeast. Generally, Canadians who play Canadian college hockey don't go to the NHL. So Logan Thompson, great story. And what you've learned, I think, from Logan Thompson is he is a more than capable NHL goalie. I'm not going to say he's the number one goalie, but I think what what we've learned is the Golden Knights are going to need to trim some salary in the offseason just because of the, the, the fact that, yeah, the salary cap's only going up a million dollars, but they're going to have to try to re-sign some guys. I think what we've learned is 
I think they could free up some cap space by maybe moving Laurent Brossois in the offseason because that's about $2.5 million. Logan Thompson only making 700000 Obviously, for a team who's up against the cap, that's one of those moves that you look at and you say, hey, you know what? If we can do this, we're going to do it. So Logan Thompson's played really, really well. He's going to need to keep it up. I, I have a sneaky suspicion we're going to see Robin Leonard today, though. Yeah, he's supposed to come back really soon, Chris. And uh, I'm just keep laughing. The Yucatan, Chris, is great that uh, that you put on for the festival. Spencer's got you up with an umbrella when you see the picture. Oh yeah, yeah. That, well, that was actually that picture that he's got up is is from when I got married in Japan. Right. That's, that's not here, but that's, yeah, and that's actually a different one than you wore the other. Yeah, day, this but, is uh, a very the one I'm wearing in this particular <laughs> picture is a really really fancy uh, kimono, generally worn by by elite and wealthy when they get married. Um, you know, this is obviously tradition. Now it's worn by, you know, any guy can wear it, but back in, you know, the, um, the Edo period, that was when, uh, the, the elite and wealthy would wear a kimono like that. I don't, I don't know what they call that little puffy thing that's around my chest, but it was kind of cool. Um, it was like having a rabbit wrapped around my neck. Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's some kind of lucky rabbit, <laughs> yeah. but I knew that wasn't a current picture because you're not sporting the beard and the montage of hair, yes. which looks great with your new, uh, with your actual yukata that you own that you wore yesterday at the festival. But Chris, with the Golden Knights, you know, uh, I like a lot of what you said. Um, running out of real estate, they could. But the bottom line is, I'll tell you this much, if they win 10 out of their final 12 games, it's going to be a real tough road to haul to do that. But if they do, they should get into the playoffs. But, you know, it's all going to depend on other teams. Like you said, they don't control their destiny. Dallas still with three games in hand. Edmonton does still have a game in hand, as does Vancouver. So that is, those are all worrisome things. Three out of the next four games are against Vancouver. One of the two could eliminate the other one by simply winning winning out in those three games. And, of course, in between, you've got Arizona coming up this week as well. I say that you look at this week coming up, Chris, you've got – you know, three out of the last four games, the next four games I said are all against the Canucks, but they play they play Vancouver this afternoon on the road. They come back um, home to play them again Wednesday night. Then Saturday they're home against Arizona, then back to Vancouver again. It's a little bit of travel, but to me, Chris, all four of those are winnable games. It's very hard, I know, to beat a three to beat a team three times in four games, that's going to be tough. But the bottom line is this team has to be tough now. They've got to really reach deep. They've got to show the intestinal fortitude that we know that they have, and they've got to keep winning. Um, Robin Leonard coming back is great, provided he plays well in net, and he's going to be expected to do so, especially how hard Logan Thompson has worked to keep this team in it. I agree with everything you said about the guy. I do think they move Lauren Brossois next year. That is about 1.3 million they save in salary cap and I'll tell you what Logan Thompson's going to find his way onto an NHL roster maybe eventually be a starting goaltender from what we've seen him play he has shown that he can play night in and night out and be successful he really has shown consistency which is something we haven't seen in net this year from the Golden Knights and Logan Thompson has done that especially in the last four outings and and that's huge and he's kept him in games even a couple games ago he's kept him in the game when they've needed to and made some big saves in in regulation, in overtime. I like what this kid's doing. But, yeah, to win 
and to go anywhere in the Stanley Cup. They have got to get back Mark Stone. They've got to get back Riley Smith. They've got to get back Max Pacioretty. You know, and obviously they're both, you know, both goaltenders to have them available. And even William Carey and Brett Howden, two guys that are invaluable to this team going forward. You need the physical presence of a guy like William Carey that can also score goals on the ice for this team moving forward in the playoffs. I think they're going to be okay. I think somehow they will find their way into the playoffs, but I don't know. You want to end up the eighth seed and staring at Colorado as your first round matchup. Well, that the the be- alternative is Calgary, who I, I mean, I, I had this discussion on the VGK Insider Show with Ryan Wallace a couple a couple weeks ago, where he 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 made a pretty compelling argument that you would rather play Colorado than Calgary. For the simple reason that, A, you eliminated Colorado last year, but, B, you look at the games that they've played against Colorado this year, they've played a hell of a lot better against the Avalanche than they have against the Flames. The Golden Knights don't win in Calgary. They're, they're, that's just the reality of the situation. So I, I, I do think you – plus there's a ton of pressure on Colorado. There's There'd be no pressure on the Golden Knights. I I, I, I think I'm, I'm of that mindset that you'd also rather – play um Colorado the problem here Brian is I don't think if they make it they're going to make it as a wild card I think if they make the playoffs it's going to be because they caught Edmonton and I don't think that you know there's six points behind the Kings right now the Kings do have a game in hand the problem is you don't have any games remaining against the we Kings. We actually have a game in hand. We actually have a game in hand on the Kings Chris the, the Kings have played 71 we yeah played Golden Knights have played 70 so yeah. you, you, you yeah, have that but the problem I see is you don't have a game against the L.A. Kings. The good news for the Golden Knights is I I think that the Edmonton Oilers have a pretty tough schedule coming up, and the Kings and Oilers actually do play each other again on Tuesday, or excuse me, on Thursday, but but, but that game is in Los Angeles. They also play the Flames in uh, Los Angeles this week, but the Kings coming up, they've got a pretty tough schedule. The next full three out of their four, I'll throw out the game against Chicago. That That's not... They'll beat the, they'll beat the Blackhawks, but... You've got the Oilers, the um, Flames, the Wild, and then you've got the Avalanche. So four to the next five games for the Kings, that's going to be their season right there because if they if they go one and three in those four games, all of a sudden the Golden Knights are right there on the doorstep. But I think the, the, the best path of resistance for the Golden Knights is going to have to be catching Edmonton or, or, or the Kings because I do not think that they're going to finish ahead of the Stars or the Nashville Predators. It'll be tough, and, you know, the thing is, the problem is the Kings are six points ahead. That's three full games if you look at it, and that is really tough to catch. They do have one game in hand. The Kings do have maybe a little bit of a tougher schedule down the stretch, but you're right. I agree with you. You want to catch the Oilers, and if you catch the Oilers, you you might not see – you're not going to see the Flames or the Avalanche in the first round, which is ideally what you need to get by either one because I'm not going to disagree. I think Calgary, without question, is the tough and ma- toughest matchup based on what has happened this year with the Flames. However, do you really want to play a team, the only team that's over 100 points right now in the NHL? Yes, there's a lot of pressure on the Avalanche, but I also think the fact that the the, the Golden Knights uh, ousted them from the playoffs last year when a lot of people felt here, the Avalanche had the best chance to win the Stanley Cup. Um, I think that actually hurts the Golden Knights more than helps them because I don't I don't think they want to lose two years in a row. That there's pressure on them not to do that, and and I think that's going to be a little bit di- uh, a little bit difficult. But again, um, I think the Golden Knights have a shot, 
as you do, Chris. And I think if they do get into the playoffs and you do get Mark Stone back, you do get Max Pacioretty, Riley Smith, um, William Carrier back, Brett Howden, Robin Leonard, wow, all I can say is this is one of those teams that's one of the lower-seeded teams that everyone is going to be fearing, especially with the playoff experience the Vegas Golden Knights have. I mean, they made the playoff every year in their existence. Uh, that's going to be a tough out. No one will want to see them in the playoffs. So I'm sure the entire National Hockey League teams that will be in the playoffs would like to see them history. Uh, again, this is Out of Line. I'm Brian Feldman. i got Chris Magnum Chapman back in the Fox Sports Residential Bankrupt Studio. Here with me in the Wiz Den is Spencer Ostrowski. We'll bring him in a minute. I know Chris is getting uh, Jim Gemma on the line right now. We are going to have uh, Aviators, our first Aviators report of the year. The Las Vegas Aviators, of course, the Triple A franchise of the Oakland Athletics. Um, and uh, here in Las Vegas, there's been a lot of talk about the Oakland A's. Will they come here? The guy that's going to be joining us in a minute will let you know. Probably not. Don't get your hopes up for that. People still talking about that all the time. I listen to Jim Gemma. He, he kind of fills me in. I think he's got his, his finger on the pulse of what's going on there a little more than we do so i'm going to give him lay that one to him but if you have not been out in the two years three years that it's been in existence to las vegas ballpark it is one of the nicest minor league facilities in the entire country it is unbelievable it has major league appeal to it a pool uh it is a really cool um event and uh it's something that you've got to see and go check out and uh, even in the heat of the summer man i love it there's ways to cool off out there some great ref and again, it's in a perfect location uh, after the game. Plenty of stuff to do all around the ballpark. And I recommend if you haven't seen it, go out there, especially on something like firework night that when Jimmy joins the show in a second here on firework night, uh, they have uh, they have the fireworks out there. Spencer, I know we've been out there to a couple of games. I've been out there to several, actually. But how much do you like that place? I mean, Cashman was really cool. And Cashman was an old downtown Las Vegas history. You would pass the Neon Museum when you went there. It was awesome, but the Las Vegas ballpark, the facility, blows anything I've seen away, especially at the minor league level. Well, it's funny because you said uh, it's one of the best minor league ballparks. That's the best. So it is the it best. is the best. It's yeah. insane. It's really like a miniature major league ballpark, and it has the Vegas spin on there. There's a pool in the back like you talked about. They have great um, like beer nights and everything like that, like $1 or $2 beers. You just go out right outside. You can grab them. Um, as many as you want. So they really do care about the fans there. They care about service members as well. They always have that. Um, I, I remember one time I think they had a dog going the uh, the bats from during the game. So never a dull moment. And also it's just a great – you get to watch baseball and you get to watch it for a really cheap amount relative to what it is. And, uh, you know, great food in there as well. I couldn't recommend enough. If you haven't been there, I, I don't know what you're waiting for. No, it, it, people will get out there. We're going to give you a chance in a few minutes here to win a couple of tickets to Friday night's game against the Reno Aces at the Las Vegas ballpark. It'll be the first firework game of the night. And I'll tell you, after the game, to sit there and watch fireworks, it was cool at Cashman Field. It is ridiculous at um, it's ridiculous at the Las Vegas ballpark. Just a really cool facility. We got Jim on the phone? Not yet. Okay, Mags is working on that, uh, getting Jimmy on the phone. But again, they've got games. The first game is going to be Media Day this coming Tuesday, and that is opening night against the Reno Aces. Uh, Seven oh five start for all the games until next until uh, the tenth. Uh, you've got a game at twelve oh five, and uh, that is a lot of games in the first week. But in the minor league schedule, they pack it in. 
and they get all the games in this this year back to the full schedule uh full stadium full of fans no more masks uh, it it should be a great time out there at the Las Vegas ballpark and again right across the street downtown Summerlin Red Rock Hotel and Casino so many options so many things to do right around the ballpark you couldn't have picked a better location for this place it is uh it, it's pretty cool and uh anyway Spence yeah so well I guess we'll we'll, we'll talk about it oh he's on now I was just saying maybe you want to like go to the next segment for a little bit and I'll figure it out I'm texting him right now so okay Matt Mags is trying to call him yeah. okay well hopefully Jimmy uh Jimmy will will be I hope he, I sent the right number over to him well if you want to talk about the next segment what we're going to talk about in a minute here besides talking about the NCAA tournament is all the moving parts in the National Football League this year the quarterback position mainly I don't know that we've had as many quarterback changes in one season Spencer I don't remember the last time we did but if you look teams that will have new quarterbacks Atlanta Cleveland Denver Pittsburgh Seattle Washington a lot of new quarterbacks some huge contracts being signed and I'll tell you what there's a decent amount of NFL quarterback prospects coming out of college this year and you know maybe nothing like last year he's on now Okay, well, let's let's switch back over. We'll come back to the NFL quarterbacks. Let's grab Jim Gemma real quick. Uh, Las Vegas Aviators, media relations director, great friend of the show, a personal friend of mine. Every time I see Jim, I'm laughing for a reason. Jim's got some sayings that, uh, but we're going to move the goalpost today. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Sorry for the uh, delay with my iPhone. I apologize, but thanks for having me on. Oh, of course. No worries, Jimmy. We we will figure out a way. You know, we be between me, Magnum, and uh, and Spence. We we talk enough to carry us. But uh, Tuesday, you've got the uh, media day, the opening day for the Las Vegas Aviators. Looking forward to it again. Full season this year, and it gets starts right off great with six home games right off the bat. Yeah, like I heard you earlier. You know, back to the traditional uh april start uh with the pacific coast league it'll be a 150 game season so i don't think we'll ever get back to total normalcy but we're pretty close now yeah so many games and it's such a great venue jim um what is the response you've had since you've moved to cashman where people come and see this ballpark because spencer said i remember it wasn't too long ago that cashman field was getting criticized for the grounds crew they picked that up and next thing you know they turned that around but now you go from cashman to the las vegas ballpark and as spencer said the nicest minor league facility in the entire country yeah, when we were the, with the Mets affiliate the last two or three years with Cashman Field, yeah, we actually probably had the best playing surface field in all of minor league baseball. Our, our groundskeepers did a great job. But, I mean, Cashman Field was great for the 36 years we played there. And uh, this is situation now we have in downtown Summerlin and the Las Vegas ballpark. We, we have the nicest minor league stadium, and, and it dictates – Great crowds, and uh, I mean, it's it's great for the players too. You you've seen the player, uh, you know, the weight room and the locker rooms underneath. It's 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 major league, and that's the way it should be for the players of this caliber. Jimmy, tickets to the tickets to the Las Vegas ballpark. I'm sure season tickets still available. Uh, there's not a bad seat in the park, no matter where you sit. I've been, I, I've watched the games from all over the venue. Not a bad seat in the park, but people that want to get tickets right now. Yeah, the best thing to do is go to aviatorslv.com and you can go right to the ticket links. And uh, if you have questions on fans, have questions on group outings or the pool or the uh, party zones and all that good stuff, uh, 
you know, our main office number is uh, available during uh, normal business hours, uh, 702-943-7200. Jimmy, promotions and things that you guys do over there, events that you have, uh, one of the things Las Vegas is known for is, you know, their sporting events aren't just sporting events. They kind of theme them out, as we know. I won't mention the franchise that does a lot of that as well. But one of the really cool things about back when you were the 51s and now as the Aviators is the Las Vegas Aviators and, and, and the minor league facilities always just done some great promotions from fireworks to family nights. What, do you, what can people look forward to this year? Yeah, that, that's really the aviance of minor league baseball with I mean, it it is a corny saying. It's affordable family entertainment, but you know what? It really is. And uh, I mean, we need to beat the drum again. We're the only professional team in in Las Vegas, and Henderson matter that uh, does not par- charge for parking. We have free parking, really easy to get to the ballpark. Uh, you know, we got back to the fireworks, the traditional uh, two dollar you know Thursday beer nights, and we're going back to the. Jersey nights and, and all that good stuff. Uh, promotion schedules on our website. We got close to 60 uh, promotion dates. So it really falls in line. And then this week, I guess the weather is going to be 85 to 90 degrees. So we encourage everybody to come out. And of course, we're playing Reno, which is good. Uh, they're a AAA affiliate of the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Ryan Nelson is from Basic High School. And I think he's scheduled to pitch one of those. Uh, Games against the uh, Aviators. He's the sixth top prospect of the uh, Diamondbacks, and there's just so many kids, uh, players that from Southern Nevada that are in the lower minors, the to the Bryson Stotts to the Chris Bryant. So it's really a hotbed for baseball. No, without question, so many great prospects have come out of Nevada. Who are some players to look forward to seeing this year for the Aviators? Well, our our marquee players are shortstop. Uh, Nick Allen, he's the sixth top prospect by the A's. I mean, sometimes you get hung up. He's, you know, he's the sixth top prospect. Or he's the eighth. You know, Nick Allen is uh, projected to play in the big league sooner than later. He's a silver medalist in the Olympics last year for Team USA. So uh, that's an awesome experience he'll have uh, the rest of his life. Uh, Shay Langoliers will be our catcher. He came over in the Atlanta Braves trade with Matt Olson. He's He's the number two top prospect. Uh, I understand he's his upside is outstanding. So those two players there, uh, the fans can uh, see a lot of good things from. Yeah, it, it, what's what's the coolest thing about going to these games also is you watch players. I mean, I remember watching the 51s and seeing so many players that you would get to see down here, guys that come down to rehab and then guys that end up being great. A guy like Jacob DeGrom, you know, no one had any idea, I think, that he was going to be as good as he has turned out to be at the professional level. And that's what you get to see is watching these guys come up. It, it's so much fun, and it is really cool, especially if you're a baseball fan. There's nothing like it. Jimmy, final question. I know this one bugs you but we get asked all the time i constantly get told by people oh the oakland a's are coming to las vegas i'm like listen they're not jimmy what do you have to say about that the a's are coming a week from tuesday there you go no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding uh, our, our media and it's really got legs obviously the, the it's in the city of oakland's hands now how they want to handle this howard terminal project uh, you know, we'll just see how everything plays out. Uh, you know, we, we all know we're probably going to get an NBA team here sooner than later. The MLS is coming. Uh, if it's not the A's, I mean, down the road, I'm sure we're going to 
get a major league baseball team, but we'll just see how this uh, Oakland A's uh, scenario plays out. It's basically in the hands now of what's going to happen with the the city of Oakland. The Howard Terminal Project looks great. That that ballpark is beautiful with the renderings. But you know the A's have been there since 1969. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things play out over the next few months. Yeah, we will. And I, I've said, you know, eventually, obviously, based on the populace alone, we're definitely going to see the NBA, the MLS, and eventually we'll see Major League Baseball. But I think that will be the last of the professional top sports that we see come to Vegas as far as the the, the highest level. But the Aviators, don't don't get this wrong. They are a professional baseball team, AAA, and as good a ball as you're going to see. It's a great time. Jim Gemma, Media Relations Director for the Las Vegas, Vegas Aviators, friend of the show. As always, Jim, appreciate you joining Brian, thanks for having me on. Uh, see you soon uh, out at Las Vegas Ballpark. Absolutely. We'll see you out there on Tuesday. And again, right now, if you want to give us a call, 702-876-1340. Uh, we got a pair of tickets for Friday night's game against the Reno Aces. That will be the very first firework game of the season. We got those two tickets for you if you give us a call right now. Uh, guys, moving over. Spencer, go ahead and hit it. Uh, well, no, actually, that, that, that uh, comes in a little bit. We'll do the NCAA in a minute. Real quickly, I did want to go back to the quarterback situation. I know you kind of shook your head, Spence, when I asked you about the prospects coming up, the quarterbacks this year. I actually like a couple of these guys a lot. Right now, just to let you know, and we all know, the projected quarterbacks for the new teams, Marcus Mariota, the backup for the Raiders the last couple of years, went to Atlanta as Matt Ryan departed. Um I don't know that Atlanta is not going to be looking for another starting quarterback. Uh, Mariota, uh, you know, obviously that it was the hopes for the Tennessee Titans for a while. He had some good moments there, but he came to the Raiders back up for Derek Carr every now and again, got into a wildcat situation, but I don't know that he is an everyday quarterback in the NFL. I think he's a very serviceable backup. I don't think Atlanta is going to go too far if they're resting their future on Marcus Mariota, but right now, supposedly he's the guy we all know about Cleveland and the $230 million five-year contract that makes me sick signed by Deshaun Watson of Cleveland. We still don't know when it's all said and done uh, after he faces uh, civil lawsuits from 22 women who allege he sexually assaulted them and misconduct and yeah, there's still questions about his availability. We'll see what happens, but Cleveland has sent him a ton of money, ton of guarantee money. And, and again, I don't want to go too much into that till the allegations and everything plays its way out. Denver, obviously Russell Wilson will be the starting uh, quarterback for the Broncos. I have some big time Bronco fans, friends that are Bronco fans and uh, they're super excited about it. I would be too. Russell Wilson, one of the most serviceable quarterbacks in the National Football League over the past decade. Super Bowl champion, been to the Super Bowl a couple times and I think Denver with the defense that they have they did uh, lose one of their most significant players to the Los Angeles Rams last year. I still think the Denver Broncos are pretty formidable on defense, and I think Russell Wilson will improve that team dramatically. We saw they jumped up pretty high as far as uh, postseason aspirations going again, just making the AFC West maybe the most competitive division in the National Football League. Now, next year, you look at the four teams in the AFC West, all four of them are good enough to be playoff contenders now with Russell Wilson joining the Broncos. Pittsburgh 
with Mitchell Trubisky uh, not going to be the starter in Pittsburgh. Believe me, they will be looking at the rookies coming out. And Seattle, same thing. I don't think they're really expecting Drew Locke to take them anywhere. So I imagine they'll be in the market as well. And Washington went out and got Carson Wentz. I got to believe there's a short leash on this guy. Um, you know, he just has not been able to get the job done since the great year he had in Philadelphia. He has not been the same quarterback since he went down with that injury. I don't know if he ever will be again, uh, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting um, to see all these guys. And of course, uh, Matt Ryan, the quarterback now in Indianapolis again, all these moving parts, Spencer. But why don't you like the prospects? We'll talk about them in a minute. We've talked about the moves, but, but who, who, why don't you like the guys coming out of college? Well, I think there's a reason that they're likely I'm not going to say for sure, but there likely isn't going to be a quarterback taken in the top 10 for the first time since, I don't know. I'm not saying that these guys won't someday possibly, you know, be starters in the league, but I don't see any of them outside of maybe Pickett, which people think that, you know, he played for Pittsburgh. He are, he literally played college ball in the same stadium, so he wouldn't have to even barely move his locker or his stuff. And everybody obviously wants that to happen. But outside of that, you got Matt Corral. I'm an Ole Miss fan, obviously, so I like the guy a lot. But once you start going down the list, it's a lot of raw talent. And I think that's probably been a more popular trend as of recent, outside of maybe the top two picks, which we've seen all the time. These guys are sitting behind. We saw the third overall pick last year he, in, uh, for the 49ers. Uh, you know, Trey Lance, he didn't even play at all. And now he's going to get that chance. And I think people saw what happened with Patrick Mahomes, and that's a, much more desirable. But outside of that, because a lot of people think Trey Lance maybe could have started last year, None of these guys are ready, and uh, it's very hard. I'm not going to say it's not, but this is not the best QB draft. It's quite possibly the worst we've had in a decade. Well, it could be, and it could end up being a really good draft. And why I say that, Spencer, is NFL prototype quarterbacks now are guys that can get outside of the pocket, guys that can move and make things happen on the run, a la Patrick Mahomes, a la Josh Allen. That's the kind of quarterback you know that they're looking for right now. And I would agree. I would say Kenny Pickett is probably the most NFL-ready quarterback out of Pittsburgh right now. Now, to me, he's got the best vision of any quarterback coming out of college. His ability to see the whole field, not just half reads. He is great at identifying where the where the safeties are at, and he figures out ways to get his guys open. He's able to find his third and fourth options, which in the NFL is going to be huge. I know the game's going to speed up a lot, but that's his upside. I think he's the best quarterback coming out of the draft. And the guy you didn't mention, I'm not going to say Matt Corral. I've got him as third. I have the number two quarterback as Malik Willis coming out of Liberty. You know, he, yeah, he played at Auburn originally, transferred to Liberty in 2019. To me, he's got the best arm in this draft. Uh, we saw it in college. We saw it at the Senior Bowl. And we definitely saw it at the NFL Scouting Combine. I think he will have one of the top 10 strongest arms in the NFL, Spencer. That's how strong this kid's arm is. Not just about distance, but velocity and threading the ball into tight windows. That's something he does really well. And, you know, again, Liberty is a far cry from the NFL. But he was drafted, at, you know, or he was recruited and played at Auburn. This kid has the skills. Um, and then, I, again, you talked about Matt Carell. Uh, rumors are the Steelers like Carell, the Texans like Carell, the Seahawks like all interested. He is a, a, a guy that I also think is potentially NFL already out of Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin just can't 
talk enough about this kid. We'll see. Fourth, I've got, how about Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati? I wasn't too thrilled about him. I, I have been trying, but to me, he is the best outside the pocket quarterback in the draft. 28 career rushing touchdowns at Cincinnati, two-time AAC Offensive Player of the Year. He is really good outside of the pocket, being able to extend plays. Almost Patrick Mahomes-like, now I don't want to call him that, but I mean, that type of an ability, and he gives his guys time to get open he's a dual threat that every nfl team wants right now um he ran a 4.52 in the 40-yard dash at the nfl uh, scouting combine um and again, he can impact the game, not just not just um, playing outside the pocket as a passer, Spencer, but getting outside the pocket as a rusher as well. And to me, that makes Desmond Ritter a, a very good prospect, the guy that could sit behind somebody and learn. And then another guy that you're not that people aren't talking about. I view him as a fifth rated, and that's Sam Howell, the quarterback at North Carolina, a kid. He is to me the best deep passer in the draft, and he is mobile. He, you know, look at his rushing statistics: eight hundred and. 28 yards last year, 11 touchdowns on the ground. This guy is another dual threat. And even though these quarterbacks might not be as highly rated as ones we've seen come out of the draft, this is now what the NFL is looking for, dual threat quarterbacks. And almost all these guys, four out of five of them, are exactly that. And that is why I kind of like this class because, again, that is the direction the NFL is heading in is dual threat, and that's what these guys are. Yeah, you just, you just can't talk to me about Sam Howell. I put a decent chunk of change on him to win the Heisman last year, <laughs> and, he, and he basically failed in the first week of the season. So I'm a little salty on him. But uh, going back to Sam Ritter just very quickly – uh, he's going to be the poster child for day three. Someone will move up in day three to get him. If Pittsburgh isn't interested in taking quarterback in the first round, they will probably do anything that they possibly can to get this guy. You, they may have to go into the late second, uh, but I'm, I'm guessing day three, he's going to be the biggest name that goes off the board. This, you know, this draft, I would though, be unhappy it, with the Lions taking him with the last pick in the first round of the draft. I really wouldn't. Oh, I think on, he's dual threat. I wouldn't mind it. Come I, on. I'm just telling you, I wouldn't mind it, man. I'm not sold on Jared Goff. And who are they going to pick up? There's rumors in Detroit they might get Baker Mayfield. No matter what they do, they're not winning a championship next year. Yeah, well, I'm not. Spencer, you know. Get a real player. They're trying to build a real team. You know, don't get me started on the Detroit Lions rebuilding it. Like I always say, they've been rebuilding for 60 years. And most of the guys they started rebuilding with are dead already. So I'm not sold on him. I'm just saying I wouldn't mind a guy like that with the 32nd pick and the 33rd pick in the draft. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, let's move on, man. I want to talk NCAA basketball. So go ahead and hit nightcap. I mean, facts. This. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact. This. Fact. Five teams in NCAA basketball history have now made it to the national championship game. This just became a fact yesterday when Kansas beat Villanova in the national first national semifinal game. Um, you know, Spence, I got to tell you, yesterday I wasn't disappointed in the first game, Kansas-Villanova. I called that right off the get-go. I called it last week when I said, man, if Justin Moore is done, which we all knew he was by the time uh, the show came on that he had torn his Achilles tendon, uh, there's no way they win this game against Kansas. It's funny because everyone has talked about Coach K and Duke's possibility going out with the championship. People have talked, you know, we heard Arizona, we heard Gonzaga, we even heard Baylor could repeat as national champions. For some reason, the Jayhawks, with three losses on the season, winning the Big 12 championship, some the co-champions of the Big 12 with Baylor, 
winning the, the conference tournament, and then no one's still talking about how good this Kansas Jayhawks team are. I'm telling you right now, my opinion, especially with the ankle injury that I think is much more damaging than people know to Armando Baycott, I think that this is going to be uh, the year of the Jayhawks, and they're going to they're going to cut down the nets on Monday night. I don't know how everyone's been sleeping on this team. This team is big. They're physical. They hit big shots at the right time. And Bill Self, come on, man, one of the best coaches in the country. Granted, he's only got one national championship under his belt, but he's been there three times. This guy is really, really good, and uh, this team is really, really good. I don't know how we're sleeping on the Kansas Jayhawks, but the big game yesterday, and, and as a matter of fact, Spence, if you've got the sound of, of Bill Self after the game talking about uh, this win and coming up on Monday night, because his team didn't go there to get to the championship game. They went there to win it. Obviously, we're having the time of our life. The kids are having a blast. Uh, but I, I, I think that they're, they came down here to win two games. I, I think that that's how I feel it's been all along. And you know, there's no guarantee just because you feel that way that you're going to play well on Monday. And you're probably going to need to play very, very well in order to put yourself in a position to win whoever we play. But I just like the mindset that, that uh, uh, whatever isn't enough. And, and uh, uh, I think it started by in the big in the big uh, 12 uh, getting a piece of the championship well that didn't mean anything we got a piece of it so we had to go validate that to see who the best team was in the league in the tournament and then since we've been in the tournament it just seems like uh, uh, no matter what has been put in front of these guys they just seem to respond to the situation yeah they sure do and uh like i said the jayhawks look so tough i mean brought brown with that 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 big three late in the game, he hadn't played like he hadn't really heard of the guy, and he or heard him doing much in the game. And then at the end, he comes through with that monster turnaround triple. I mean, this team is stacked from top to bottom. Um, so long, so good, uh, so so um, uh, t- technically sound, Spencer. The Jayhawks. They're a number one seed for a reason. And again, out of the four number one seeds, they were the least talked about. And I'm really surprised about that because, you know, I liked Arizona. I'm not going to say that. Mag said that before, one of the teams to look for. But just I don't know how Kansas has kind of flown under the radar until now. And here they are in the championship game. They scored the first 10 points of that game. They led by as many as 19 in the first half. But, you know, again, Villanova without Justin Moore wasn't the same team. We knew that was going to happen. Again, Kansas now their 10th national title game in program history. Three national titles, the last one in 2008. But uh, they could be very well cutting down the nets, as we said, coming up. And again, as I mentioned uh, when I started Fact This, only five teams have been to 10 or more national title games. UCLA, 13, they still lead the way. This is North Carolina's 12th, one game now behind UCLA. Kentucky's been to 12, Duke's been to 11, and now Kansas heading to their 10th on uh, Monday night. And talking about going going to the other national title game, Spence, North Carolina and Duke. I mean, it's amazing in the history of these two programs, two of the winningest programs in college basketball history have never, ever played in the NCAA tournament. So what a way for coach K to go out against his number one nemesis, number one rival, uh, the two teams on tobacco road that always mix it up. They ruined coach K's final game at Cameron at Duke. 
and they ruined his chance for his final national title, although he did get to the final four, 13th time. Unbelievable accomplishment. But you know, I'm not unhappy that, can't, that, that North Carolina took him out. I actually hate the Jayhawks because Michigan State has a bad history against them in the NCAA tournament. So I am pulling for North Carolina in the game why I'm wearing my Jordan shirt again. I don't have any North Carolina gear. I don't like them that much. But, um, you know, this North Carolina Duke game was everything we could have expected of it. It went right down to the wire. And after the game, Coach K talking about his guys, talking about his career and his final game of his college coaching career, which, uh, like I said, is probably the most epic college coaching career in history. And uh, is he going to be the GOAT over John Wooden? I don't know, but a lot of people will say he is. This would wouldn't, wouldn't. How about what Coach K had to say after the game? A youngster doesn't leave this locker room thinking that he lost the game. You know, collective responsibility, win and lose together. And, and we've loved coaching them. You know, this, this has been uh, such a good group. And, uh, and I feel for them, you know. It, but uh, also, the congratulations to North Carolina. They made some big plays. And, and, and they're a really good basketball team. So it's not like I mean, it's a heck of a game. It was, uh, it was a heck of a game, and uh, the team that won was going to be so happy, and the team that lost was going to be so sad and, uh, because both teams played their hearts out. Thank you again for everything. Yeah. Yeah, both teams did play their hearts out. It was a hell of a game. Whether you like these schools or you don't, man, you couldn't have asked for a better national championship game, a way to coach K to go out with spectacular fashion. Hubert Davis's first year coaching North Carolina. Uh, only one other coach, and that's Steve Fisher, the former coach at San Diego State, has ever won a national championship in his first year. And he only became the head coach. That was Bill Frieder's team. He became the head coach right before the tournament, but won, won his first six games as Michigan's head coach. And, uh, of course, course that led to a national championship the glenn rice era and glenn rice out of his mind in that tournament speaking about out of their minds spencer um in this tournament armando baycott uh has been unbelievable double double in all five games to this point 11 points 21 rebounds in yesterday's game but that ankle twist was bad it was really bad he went back in they ran to the locker room for a second he came right back out went in the game fouled out not long after that didn't really do much when he came back one thing i remember a long time ago in the 1988 before most of your time out there uh the in the nba finals isaiah thomas rolled his ankle in game six against the Los Angeles Lakers. They should have won that game. They didn't. Isaiah Thomas had one of the best fourth quarters in NBA finals, if not the best in history. I think he had 25 points in the, th in the fourth quarter of that game with a bad ankle. Uh, but he rolled at that game. The momentum, everything else can keep you going. But when he came out in game seven, Isaiah Thomas was a pylon. He had, he had a night, one night and that was it. That's all Armando Baycott is going to have is one day, one day and night to rest. I'm sure they'll do every drop of therapy on the ankle. Um, I think Coach Hubert Davis is in a little bit of denial. This is what he had to say about Armando uh, Armando Baycott and will he play on Monday night. I was wondering if you could just maybe walk us through the next 24 or 48 hours for Armando. I know that his ankle, obviously, you don't have a great read on the game just ended. I have a read. He'll play. Okay. <laughs> I, I can read. He, can, he will play. Even if he just stands there, he's going to play. <laughs> We're going to trick Kansas. He'll just sit there in the middle of the lane. <laughs> well, he'll be a good decoy. And bottom line is, 
you know, he's a little bit bigger of a pylon than Isaiah Thomas was. I mean, this guy is a rebounding machine. But if he can't get off the floor and if he can't help them on the boards against the Jayhawks, it could be a long night for North Carolina. And this game might not even be lived up to his billing. They need Armando Baycott, believe me, to make this game competitive and they can win it with him in there. But I just don't know how healthy he can be. Like I said, he didn't look like he was suffering from bad effects in that ankle. And maybe it didn't look, it wasn't as bad as it looked, but I'm very concerned about that. Even though I'll still say that Caleb Love is the best basketball player in this tournament this year. Every year you see a guy rise up. Last year it was Johnny Juzang of UCLA who just carried UCLA from a play-in game to the NCAA semifinals. But this is a little bit different. Caleb Love is a ridiculous player, and boy, did he wait to all of a sudden to show his wares. He has had his highest scoring games this season in the tournament. It started with 23 points against Marquette in the first round. In the semifinals, or I should say the Sweet 16, 30 points against UCLA, and how about yesterday, 28 more points for Duke, especially down the stretch. He was unstoppable. This guy... Um, Mags, and I'll ask you, Chris, because I know you, you watched these games yesterday, but this guy, unbelievable. Caleb Love can play from the perimeter. He can take the ball to the hole, and I don't know that there's a better defender on the court than Caleb Love when he's playing his best game. Every facet of the game, this guy is good, and if he can go 40 straight minutes, because they're going to need him for 40 minutes, and play like he did yesterday in that Duke game, especially in the second half, this team has a chance against Kansas. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and real quick, I believe it was uh, Roy Rogers who sang Happy Trails to You. Well, that's my message to Coach K. Happy Trails to You. <laughs> I hope we never see you again. Uh, you know, you're, you're right about Caleb Love. Look, I, I, I said last week the guy was on another planet the way he was playing. Uh, you're right. North Carolina is going to need him to probably play his best game of the tournament. I think the injury to Baycott, look, this is Kansas's title to lose. And, you know, as as I rack my brain about this NCAA tournament in this Final Four, the kind of unfortunate thing is Villanova kind of got lost, and they're the only clean program that made the Final Four. North Carolina, they basically created an entire fake academic department Kansas has is, is been under investigation because of their relationship with Adidas and Bill Self basically saying, eh, screw the NCAA, we're going to do our own thing and forget the bylaws. And then you have Coach K, who's cheated for 30 years and gotten away with it because he's a darling of the NCAA. So shout out to Jay Wright, former UNLV assistant, by the way, Jay Wright, for running a clean program. And unfortunately, it ended for Villanova yesterday as the only kind of Northeast team in the, in the Final Four. I was pulling for him, but... You know, the, the game tomorrow night is, is going to be pretty pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I'll say this. The game tonight between uh, South Carolina and UConn in the women's side, UConn, great, great turnaround. Uh, I know they lost one of their best players, and she was out for a large portion of the season. She's back, uh, obviously, helping UConn make a run to the national title game. I love Asia Wilson, so I'm going to be pulling for South Carolina in that one. But I'm a big Gino Ariema fan as well. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that that turns out to be a great game as well. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, for, for Carolina and, and, and Kansas, it's, it's certainly going to be one of those all-time great matchups because you get two of the greatest programs in the history of college basketball. Kansas, of course, has a very, very long tradition going all the way back to Wilt Chamberlain. And North Carolina, fantastic history as well under Dean Smith. Um, so, so yeah, and and you know what? I'm glad it was Carolina that ended 
the career of Coach K. It's almost like a WWF type ending. No Disney real ending. Quick, real quick. No, no fraud cutting down the nets at the end of this at the end of the game. Listen, we're out of time. I'm just going to tell you, I'm saying Hawk, Jayhawks, uh, Spencer. Yeah, no way. Yeah, definitely Jayhawks. Yeah, yeah Rock, Rock Chalk, like, Jayhawk, yeah. Yeah, I think Magnum thinks that way too. Last thing I'll say, we're out of time. Tiger Woods, game time decision to play in the Masters and defending champion Hideki Matsuyama suffering with shoulder and uh, and back problems, but he says he's going to play. Listen, we're out of time. This is out of line. I'm Brian Feldman. want to thank Jim Gemma, Media Relations Director for the Aviators, for joining the show. Chris Magnum Chapman back in studio. And, of course, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski for co-hosting our Media Relations Director. Back next week. Looking forward to it. We will see you then. Bye-bye.